Clovercrest Media proudly presents Divided We Stand. Divided We Proudly Stand. We're going to have a little fun tonight. We're going to talk about some terrible things. I could have said, Mitt, drop to your knees. He would have dropped to his knees. You're fired. Starring Joe Aguirre, Brian Forster, and Eric Farron. Very fine people on both sides. I didn't come along and divide this country. I think it's a disgrace. I stand here ready to work with you. Let me talk. Quiet. And we will make America great again. Divided. We stand not as two parties, but as one nation. With a great deal of uncertainty in the international trade markets, because trade wars are so easy to win, coupled with executive privilege over anything and everything, the whole world remained focused on the issue that really mattered this past week. The world was given its first glimpse of a new royal, with Windsor Castle, St George's Hall as the regal backdrop. Prince Harry cradled his swaddled sleeping son. Speculation swirling about the new half-American royal and what would his grandmother say? The royal baby. We have the name. Goodbye, EU. Hello, Archie Harrison, Mountbatten, Windsor. Come on down. Seventh line for the crown. <laughs> you don't know this, Brian, but he was named after Meghan Markle's childhood cat. I was not aware of that. Thank you. He is the first biracial baby born into the royal family, which is still a thing, even though it is 2019. <laughs> Cheers, Joe. Were you able to attend the royal baby watch parties? or How'd you score on your royal baby birth pool? And Archie, my God, what a name. It's such an exciting Stop. Time. Oh, I just can't. Oh, God. Me neither. Why aren't we able to say congratulations to the prince and duchess and just move on? That would be nice. Instead, we will be force-fed baby Archie's every move while we wait in line at the grocery store. It's a nice break from soap operas. It is. General Hospital's really heating up. Is it sweep sweep? <laughs> they get you there in sweeps. There's still a whole bunch of competition. Do you see Kim and Kanye had their fourth child delivered via surrogate this week? Is that like a stork? <laughs> what? <laughs> pretty, pretty much. You know, divided we stand, bringing you all the news that people care about. Speaking of babies, uh, Donald Trump is exerting executive privilege over the Mueller report and Anything attached to it. Anything. This move is just the latest as his contentious quest for total transparency rages on. <laughs> At what point does the Republican sense of irony regarding obstruction kick in? Is that rhetorical? <laughs> now, the obstructionist Democrats would like us not to do it, but believe me, if we have to close down our government, we're building that wall. And I say it's very strongly the Democrats' fault. They're obstruction. They're really obstructionist. And they are obstructing. Obstructionist Republicans or obstructionist president, it just doesn't have that same that same pop. No, it doesn't. No, not at all. Not at all. It's it's not good for ratings. Eric Farron is off this week being a dutiful father and husband on Mother's Day. But I'm here and wondering if Brian's spare bedroom has clean sheets. Well, that's dedication, and the answer is yes. Now, President Donald Trump cited write-offs depreciation, tax shelters, and accounting gamesmanship as reasons for business losses he suffered in the 1980s and the 1990s. I wish you were making that up. I, really I wish did. I were, too. Uh, the New York Times reported details of his tax returns. I will read you his, res his responded tweet. This is fantastic. Real estate developers in the 1980s and 1990s, more than 30 years ago. He did the math. That was great. We're we had somebody do it for him. It was an undocumented person. <laughs> We're entitled to massive write-offs and depreciation, which would, if one was actively building, show losses and tax losses in almost all cases. Much was non-monetary, sometimes considered tax shelter. <laughs> you would get it by building or even buying. You always wanted to show losses for tax purposes. Almost all real estate developers did and often renegotiate with banks. It was sport. Sad. Additionally, no, that's not it. the very old information put out is highly inaccurate, fake news, hit job. Now, the Times said Trump's business lost more than a billion dollars from 1985 to 1994. It's a billion with a B? Correct. A billion dollars. That's insane. So for eight of the 10 years, he paid no taxes. Trump disputed the Times story, but didn't specify what he was objecting. Just the, the negative publicity, probably. He just didn't like it. Now, meanwhile, Democrats question how he was able to stay afloat as he pursued his highly publicized business career. And for the record, 
a guy who lost a billion dollars in 10 years and has had six bankruptcies, that is not what I would call a successful businessman. Well, the point is, though, this isn't news that he lost all this money. He's People know he's lost money. He, they know he filed for bankruptcy. He said six times. Yes. So why is this a story now? What does this have to do with him being president, the fact that he lost money as as a businessman for from 19 you said 1985 to 1994 who yeah. cares well his relationship with russia began in 1987 okay and you think that coincides well by 1994 <laughs> i'm just yeah, yeah i mean you, you gotta wonder you can't get loans from any bank right. where are you going so deutsche bank apparently was the only bank that would give the guy money because as we know when it comes to contractors banks and everybody else the guy doesn't pay he doesn't pay back what he owes well, we see his tax returns once he's out from under that audit in 2024 then we'll then we'll know for sure i'm a realtor i do it very part-time and i have taken losses before like a couple hundred bucks that- not a billion dollars and I didn't do it as a tax shelter. I did it because I made less than I than I spent. Is that your voice cracking? You sounded like Bobby Brady there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I got a little. I, I I know about pass-through entities and stuff like that. What he's admitting to is possibly criminal and at worst unethical. I can only hear Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> <laughs> now Mick Mulvaney says he won't allow Trump's returns to be seen. The White House chief of staff said Democrats are seeking Trump's tax returns to embarrass the president. He didn't answer the follow-up question, which is, why would Trump be embarrassed by his tax returns? He doesn't want people to see his his assets. He doesn't want people to realize how much money he actually has because he values his, his the he name Trump. He brags about it all the time. He's like, I'm, the name Trump is worth billions of dollars. It's just like, yeah, because you keep saying Trump over who? and over and over again. Right. That's why it's worth billions right. of dollars. Right. It's like a, a measuring test for. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 he he brags about his wealth and his businesses and his companies and the subsidiaries. Why would you be embarrassed by it? I, I don't understand that. We know you lost a billion dollars. Is, is it is are your returns worse than that? That you don't want to show us them? That's a good question. And if that's it, the case, then say that. Be like, I have been a disaster for 20 years. Well, he'll never say you that, don't want to see this. He'll, he'll never say that. Oh, it, I understand. I that. don't have a problem with Donald Trump not paying taxes with business. I mean, that's those are the way the rules are. Don't don't get mad at the guy for working the system like like oh, other people. We know he's been working the system and on a local level of places like New Jersey with the with the golf course out there where he told them it was worth five million, even though it was worth fifty million. Oh yeah. So he'd only pay taxes on five million. You know what they call that, Ryan? Fraud. They call it fraud. Yeah. That's not gamesmanship. Score one for Brian. That's not a good business. Yeah. <laughs> You're paying attention and that's You're counting at home. That's all you can do. <laughs> Also this week, very happy to be here. The Treasury <laughs> Department, headed by James Bond villain Steve Mnuchin. Tell me I'm wrong. Get him a hairless cat. <laughs> That's all he needs. <laughs> he refused a request from the House Ways and Means Committee for six years of Trump's returns and some business filings. No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. So all of these people around the president, Brian, are protecting the guy. And I get that. That's their boss. But don't go on TV talking about transparency or just in general, just making up nonsense. There's no reason for it. Well, and he's he's made that a point. If you are not on Team Trump and you're not towing the company line, public facing company line, then you're out. He's made that very clear over the course of his presidency, over the course of his entire professional career. Now, we alluded to this in the open, but the president, uh, the White House says that uh, President Trump has asserted executive privilege over special counsel Bob Mueller's report into Russian meddling in the 2016 election. The decision, which was announced, of course, by everyone's favorite press secretary, Sarah Sanders. When is she going? Wasn't she supposed to be leaving? Promises, promises. I can't wait. So the House Judiciary Committee was debating whether to hold Attorney General William Barr in contempt of Congress for refusing to provide the entire unredacted report to lawmakers. This decision is the first time in Trump's presidency that he's invoked his protective powers, although he talks about it all the time. This is literally the first time he's done it. Democrats want this 448-page report and its underlying evidence to all be released. Now, by exerting the executive privilege, the White House is denying Congress access to the evidence that was gathered during Mueller's investigation. The House Judiciary Committee has issued subpoenas to get those materials. It's a, it's a, it, this is some political gamesmanship here. Sure. They knew full well the Treasury Department 
They also knew that chief of staff or the acting chief of staff, Mick Bloomberg, they're not, they're not going to turn these documents over. Right. This so was, you can then go out and say whatever you want, knowing that when it comes down to it, you're fine. They spent a couple the whole, of that weeks. That was the plan the whole time. Sure. They spent a couple of weeks telling you what was in the report that you couldn't read. And mm-hmm. now they're making sure you won't ever be able to read it, so you'll just take their word for it. Well, you have to. What other option do you have? Sure, we just Lindsey Graham on Fox News this morning. I, I I don't know what they have on this guy. I don't know what it is. Lindsey Graham. Lindsey, it's got to be mad. But Lindsey Graham literally was on Fox News this morning, talking about Hillary Clinton, <laughs> Christopher Steele, Christopher and, Steele. Yeah. Uh, Google Christopher Steele. Don't read anything. From the Daily Caller, but any other search results you might read about this guy. He's the foremost spy in the world in terms of Russia. And Nobody he was paid knows. Paid by the Clintons. Right. Doesn't matter who paid him. <laughs> Here's the thing. If Trump wasn't dealing with the Russians, nobody would have been able to pay for somebody to find that out. Unfortunately, none of that seems to matter. <laughs> no, it doesn't. None of it. <laughs> because <laughs> Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell pointedly declared Case closed. The verdict's in. He's done. He's Mitch McConnell just so. not interested. The GOP leader offered little defense of the Mueller report's depiction of Trump repeatedly trying to derail the investigation, instead saying it was time to move on to other issues that Democrats were just angry that our legal system will not magically undo the 2016 election. So we're going back to that old nonsense again, that this is just Democrats are mad that they lost. They didn't get Hillary Clinton in. It was a foregone conclusion. Trump wasn't supposed to win. And it's when they point that part out is when I'm like, right, see that? He wasn't supposed to win. And then he did. How did that happen? I was listening to a little bit of Rush Limbaugh on Friday. Oh, good. Just, you know, trying to expose myself to, you know, all the crazies. Yeah. <laughs> all, all, he has to, all he's saying is, is Mueller report, Hillary Clinton, Democrats are angry because Trump is in the White House. So whatever Trump's discretions are is just clouded by the fact that Democrats can't be objective. Once again, kudos to the to the right the the right wing media machine is the much better side when it comes to messaging and they and, and it, works. it into your head they do it, you know listen i i used to be a big consumer of fox news and they'll start they'll start the idea on fox and friends and they'll beat it into your head right through O'Reilly. Well, you get the memo right at the top <laughs> of the day and just like, oh, yeah. oh make sure, you know, it's like Sinclair Broadcasting. It this is. This is dangerous to our Literally democracy. Literally every single show, generally you see the same guest repeated all throughout the day in all the different shows. They just literally, that same person is banging that same BS into your brain all day. Your guy Trey Gowdy is all over Fox News all the time. Oh, yeah. As, all as, over as the authority. On, on, uh, so news of the subpoena comes as tensions are escalating between the Democrats and the Trump administration. Democrats on the House Judiciary Committee did vote to hold Attorney General William Barr in contempt of Congress for his refusal to hand over an unredacted copy of that report. In a statement, Sarah Sanders argued the administration had no choice but to exert executive privilege given the actions of the committee and its chairman, Jerry Nadler of New York. Nadler, <laughs> I mean, his actions were outrageous. He made a request for documents. How dare he? I right. don't know what else right. that guy would normally do other than request documents. We, nobody can win anymore. Nobody can can say we're trying to get the truth because the truth is, what, biased? There's it, We can't agree on what the truth is. Then how can you agree when you see it? The funny thing is, is right after the Mueller report came out, William Barr wrote his four-page summary, which Bob Mueller seemed to take issue with and didn't feel it adequately covered what he concluded. Mm -hmm. President Trump said, total exoneration. Something about angry Democrats. Right, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right, angry Democrats, Russian hoax. No collusion, no obstruction, which is not what the report said. Well, it, it, it most certainly doesn't. But again, if it's full exoneration, release it. If your tax returns don't show anything Russia-related, release them. And then we could move on as a country. Then we could move on as a country. I don't like Donald Trump. I I, I mean, maybe you haven't figured that out yet. Wow. I, do I try you, to do you play poker, it. Joe? Yeah, I do. Uh, I'm <laughs> well, not too good. No. Okay. Uh, I just enjoy the sport. <laughs> if Donald Trump came out and showed us his tax returns and they were clean. Well, you know they're not going to be clean. 
<laughs> I mean, that's I'm clear. baiting him here, Brian. <laughs> this clear. is me baiting. But if like, the Mueller what? <laughs> if you face. release the Mueller report and it says, ah, uh, you know, we're just not sure. And again, you'll release the tax returns and it's like, oh, there's 10 bankruptcies, even worse. That's fine. I could live with that. It's certainly a lot of effort on principle versus a massive cover up. I just want to know that Russia didn't elect our president. I don't think that's too much to ask as well, an American citizen. It was Florida. And it was Ohio, and it was Michigan, and it was Wisconsin. It was. And it was. It was. It was every state. But why? And I think that's the important question. That's the one thing we want to know. Again, if Donald Trump won this election because people hate liberals, I get that. I do. I understand it. I'm not a Hillary Clinton fan, never have been. Right. Voted for her because I felt there was no other reasonable choice. You mean you didn't vote for a third-party candidate? With your track record? There was no good third-party candidate to vote for in that election. I want my votes to matter. I'm Joe. <laughs> I'm voting for the best candidate in any election, and I did locally in Connecticut. I did not vote for Ned Lamont, who's awful, or Bob Stefanowski, who was clueless. My choice was the third-party candidate, who's a legit guy, who was a Republican running with a Democrat on his ticket. You want a mixed-party ticket? You you want You want partisanship? Is that what you want, or, or, or do you want people working together? Because you, that's what I'm looking for. Do you want a response, or, or no? No, those were all rhetorical. Okay, terrific. I think feel, I've made my point. Feel the room. That's right. All right, this local news segment is powered by the CMG podcast, MMA Mad. Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast, MMA Mad. I was uh, getting my thumb looked at by the doctor, and I'm like, dude, it's way broken. And I'm like, I'm done. What's up, guys? My name is Nick Rizner, and I'm the host of the MMA Mad Podcast. And then, like, two days later, I was like, I'm not f***ing done. <laughs> well, we have long-form conversations with the best fighters, writers, and coaches in the world of MMA. We are brought to you by Clovercrest Media Group, and I hope you enjoy the show. I'm the number one contender. Like, I'm, I'm here to stay. Streaming everywhere. With less than four weeks left in the legislative session, Connecticut Democrats say that a future cut in the state's gasoline tax is becoming a key factor in whether to approve electronic highway tolls. Governor Lamont did not include a gasoline tax cut in his budget back in February, now says he is open to the idea. The tax cut is included in the latest version of a comprehensive bill that's being written behind closed doors, which I, I never feel good about that. No, not at all. And has not it's yet Connecticut way, though. been released. Yeah, I, you know, I think if there's one thing about Connecticut I hate, it's that they like to lock the door. And and, and this is Connecticut Democrats, generally speaking. And this is what Republicans do in Washington. And I, I don't like it there. I do not like it here. I do not like them, Sam, I am. I do not like green eggs and ham. Well, it's like, you know, you're not going to get bipartisan support. So you're going to say, well, screw it. We're just going to force it right down your throat. Now, we have a weird gas tax in this state. There's a flat tax of 25 cents for each gallon purchased, but it also charges a gross receipts tax that fluctuates with the wholesale price of gasoline. As a result, the gross receipts tax can generate vastly different amounts of money year to year, depending on whether a gallon is 250 or up near $4 or, or over. Okay. So the Democrats uh, want to tie the amount of the gasoline tax cut to be tied into the amount of, uh, that is raised by the tolls to sort of offset that rather but, than just being a set amount. That was one of the main arguments for tolls is that the gasoline tax is dwindling. So we need tolls and other ways to boost revenue. Right. So now you're going to cut some of the gasoline tax because you're putting in tolls? They th these guys are are really not doing things well here, and now you're in in a position where you're just trying to get enough votes. So I'm just trying to understand the play. We all are, yeah. And and I don't I don't know if we're getting it. You're like, hey, Republicans, so you hate tolls? How about you give us tolls and we'll cut the gas tax? That just it's just circular. Well, we're, also it's you got to give me the tolls. Before I'll cut the gas tax, and, okay. and and I I don't know. I'm sure that's going to go. Well. I'm sure Ned Lamont's an honest and trustworthy guy. I just don't trust him, and I don't think he's honest. <laughs> How's that sound? Uh, that's shots fired. I'm not giving you something until I get something. I don't like that game. Yeah, that game generally never works out. It's Trumpian. It's very Trumpian. 
I don't I don't trust billionaire businessmen who say if you give me something, I'll get something for you down the line because I find that that country doesn't pay for it. To Lamont's credit, at least we're we're having more of a conversation about it. We've talked about it before. I think he's open to hearing from both sides, whereas Malloy would just close the door and that's it. I know we're talking about negotiating behind a closed door, ironically, but he seems to be way more receptive to at least discussing the issues and, and having more of a more of a debate about it. The Senate, Whether it matters or not, I can't tell you. Fair. Senate President Martin Looney, a New Haven Democrat, wouldn't predict whether or not uh, tolls will be approved by the time the legislative session ends June 5th. Lamont's senior advisor, there, Colleen Flanagan-Johnson, predicts that they do have enough votes in both the state House of Representatives and in the state Senate. That said, there has been an awful lot of lobbying going on. Mm -hmm. There's also been a big outpouring of public support. 100,000 signatures were delivered to Governor Lamont at 11 a.m. on Friday. Lawmakers are under pressure to, to fix the state's transportation infrastructure, and Democrats are adamant tolls are the answer. But the anti-toll movement is firing back with a petition that argues taxpayers shouldn't have to pay to drive to work. I think that is reasonable. I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you like this, Brian. I get both sides. Sure. Nobody wants to have to pay more. And the idea that some of the money for the transportation is going to the train system is also not cool because, as we, we announced a couple of weeks ago here on the show, the average commuter on those rails that are heading to New York City are people who make between one hundred fifty and two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year? It it just speaks to the lack of confidence that the Connecticut citizens have in their government to spend the funds that they pay and put into the kitty on things that are are, are popular and approved. I mean, it just if you knew if you could say all this money that you're generating from tolls is going to go to bridges and roads, and that's we're going to do it right. We're gonna, you're going to see the improvements, then I think people would be more agreeable to tolls. When you phrase it that way, it's also tough from a marketing standpoint because when you give something away for free and then all of a sudden you have to start paying for it, no one wants to pay for it. Obviously, you're going to kick and scream all the way. But if the citizens of Connecticut had the confidence that my dollar is going to go from the toll booth to infrastructure improvements, then great. And they say, oh, the lockbox. Oh, well, that passed. Yeah, sure. The idea of the lockbox did pass. But there's issues with how the money gets into the lockbox. And we've talked about it. It's just it round and round and round we go. Well, here's the other thing. As you say, you know, just because they initially say they're going to do something or if they do put it in the lockbox, I'm sure they could vote it out of the lockbox whenever they wanted to. Right, right. You get a special transportation fund. You get yeah. all kinds of stuff. It's just... It, uh, They'll find a way. <laughs> Put it to you like that. Uh, after the petition was delivered, there was an anti-toll rally held right up on the steps of the state capitol. The Connecticut Construction Association says tolls are a long-term solution. Not a lot of people feel the same way. Hmm. Numbers released last month show that drivers between the state's largest cities could cost drivers between $1.28 and $1.80 per trip. When you throw out figures like that, it doesn't feel like a lot of money, and it's not transactionally when they're like, oh, it's a couple cents, you know, your your cost per mile goes up. But you compound that over time. It's just, it's it's the precedence of it. Well, it's also, so it's a dollar, let's go high end, dollar eighty per trip. Okay. Right? That's 360 round trip. You also have to be confident that uh, those numbers, people know what they're talking about. Sure. I mean, it could be $4 a trip, right. and we may find out later on. Let's right. say it's $4 Once a trip. Once the door is open, you can kick that Let's sucker right down. Let's go super high end. $4 round trip every day is 20 bucks a week, Yeah, and it's $80 a month. And $4 is just a made-up number we're just talking right. about. Right. You know, I mean, you're, in the grand scheme of things, you're 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 probably talking about 1000 bucks. That, I'm, that math doesn't even add up, but I, I, I don't, I don't it's think not it's not what we're known for. Here. Sure. It's not going to be much more than that, but it's the principle of the matter. And Governor Lamont's been saying he's going to release an updated toll plan and that it will still have 50 gantries on all the major highways. And gantries will be on the Merritt Parkway, even though there was some chatter about not having them be on the Merritt Parkway. 
but it, they will be included on the Merritt Parkway. So they're going to be in the bottlenecked areas of no. the Merritt Parkway. What and a I get mess that. that's going to be. Just throw it's it. a mess now. Right. I e- was a traffic reporter so. here in Connecticut for a long time. Oh, I can yeah? tell you what a disaster our roads are every day between 7 a.m. and 9 a.m. And every afternoon from about 2.30 to about 6. Well, speaking of the roads, too, I mean, Lamont is is all over the state promoting all these road improvement projects. And one of them he talked about was on the Charter Oak Bridge. So $250 million project completed over four years. It's going to add a highway lane. It's going to move the exit from the right to the left. It's going to put in an additional lane. Uh, DOT plans to do it at night, so there's not going to be any any kind of issues. Which, <laughs> I mean, that's that's I I never can understand. And we're talking about that exit 29 ramp on I 91 North, and I can never understand why it backs up. People slow down. You you go up. It's a horrible merge coming onto 84 because yep. you got 84 traffic trying to merge into Route Two, and it's all trying to happen in the space of what 200 feet, and yeah. and everybody's trying to go into each other's lane it's a disaster i'm glad that they're focusing on trying to improve that but what a mess it's going to be for four years i don't care what they say oh it's just going to be done at night what if you drive at night you're, you're screwed yes and we all drive at night from time to time it right. just happens right right and you sit there for like an hour and we, it's the worst we know the dot is going to just crank through that and and like every road construction pro- project it never lasts you know longer than we expected. well think about 84 and waterbury and how great that went right i feel like that was on uh, that was under construction for the better part of my my yes my life yes it, it's weird to me when i drive through there and there's not cones right you're still you're still you're you're so conditioned to avoiding the yes. stuff yes well, and that's uh, one of the things I thought that was funny is they were talking about, I think it was NBC Connecticut was talking about how people get off on exit 27 on Brainerd Road and they bypass it and go up 15, which, you know, people do. I didn't know you could do that. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm doing it now. Secret's out. <laughs> <laughs> that's I'm thinking, great. I'm thinking I'm reading that. I'm just like, I don't often do that, but I know it exists. And I'm just like, what's next? They're going to tell people that you don't have to uh, pick up 91 South off of 15. You can go towards Brainerd Road, bear left, and get on the left side, which is always better. Connecticut Traffic Tips 101. Our roads are a disaster. Now, there was another big story that broke this week. Some people think this is great. Some people think this is the death of Connecticut. House legislators passed a bill that would increase minimum wage to $15 an hour. Yep. The bill passed the House 8559. The vote came after lawmakers discussed it deep into the night. It approves more than 320,000 workers to get a, a, a raise. So 14 hours for that debate? Yeah. Contentious on the House floor. Republicans basically preaching to an empty chamber and then uh, Robin Porter shutting people down. You know, again, we've talked about the, the, the minimum wage thing. The Republicans' opposition to it is it's hard to understand. I, I mean, I understand from a small business standpoint, but I don't think it's small businesses that are getting crushed. Small businesses have a handful of employees. So the increase in pay isn't going to overwhelm them. It certainly isn't the small businesses with, with all the lobbying money. Right. Right. It's the corporations who can take the hit because they're making record profits now. So it, it passed 8559. Uh, obviously, all Republicans were against it. And two Democrats, which I thought was interesting, uh, Patrick Boyd of Pomfret and Chris Ziogis. Where's he from? Bristol. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Bristol's got a ton of machine shops and, and a ton of industry in it. So I think as far as he, he probably had a bug in his ear, Saying, oh, this is going to kill us. Bristol has some weird politicians. I'll I'll leave it at that. (laughs) Uh, These are incremental increases that would take full effect by 2023. So starting in 2020, minimum wage would go from 1010 to 1125. January of 2021, it goes to 1250. Then it goes to 1375 in 2022. And then ultimately 15 an hour by 2023. Now, um, State Rep. Russ Morin was on this program to right. talk about that exemption for 16 and 17-year-olds. Mm-hmm. They will not be getting uh, 15 an hour. And you should all be super excited about that because I know that was one of the big arguments. 
kids shouldn't get that money, blah, blah, blah. I, and that's fine. Well, gives- 16 and 7 year olds w- would get about 85% of the minimum wage at first after 90 days. They do get bumped up to well, 15 an hour. And it gives employees a chance to vet out. If you're going to hire 16 and 17-year-olds, you want to vet them out a little bit and train them and make sure that they're somebody who's reliable. There are places I go where I know they pay the workers better. Okay. And I see that reflected in their performance. It's as simple as that. Well, you get what you pay for in anything. Correct. That's, that's, Brian, that's it. That's it in a nutshell. What I thought was really interesting about this deal was the fact that it doesn't include tipped wage. Yes. And that it, that it's 6.38 an hour for wait staff and 8 uh, $8.23 an hour for bartenders. So that doesn't change. And there's different things, you know, if they don't get to that $15, but uh, I just thought it was I thought it was interesting. It was very interesting. Again, I'll never understand anybody's opposition to wages going up. Wages have been down, inflation is up, corporate profits are up, and wages are are stagnant, and literally over the last three years, they're down. I like the fact that this bill is going to be directly related. So once you get to $15 at 2023, then it's going to be built on the employment cost index. So people who are for this say, well, that's a better judge of inflation. We know that minimum wage has not been in line with inflation. It is right. It costs you more to live now than it did 40 years ago. You need like the American dream or you know whatnot. Sure. It, it's I, I like that. I like the fact that it's tied to an index where it, it's going to fluctuate and it's going to it's going to be a better representation of what things actually cost. You really need about twenty three dollars an hour if you want to be able to get by. People aren't going to be rich now that they're making $15 right. an hour in, in you're, you're 2023. You're making about half as much as what you need to be in the middle class. That's not good. Right, right. It's better. It's not good. It doesn't solve the problem, but it's it's a start. It helps. All right, the big finish is coming up next. It's powered by another great CMG podcast, Unsung Reruns. Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast, Unsung Reruns. I think that this is a show that deserves more recognition than it ever gets. That was kind of where it all started, is that I really think that uh, we're all going to make our best plane noises in the microphone. (laughs) Okay, you're good enough to fake your way through. Streaming everywhere. So the number of asylum-seeking Central American families that crossed through our southern border broke yet another record. In April, Border Patrol agents apprehended 58,474 members of family units during the month. It is an all-time high. Now, you'll recall right after Trump took office in the months right after, border crossings were at a 50-year low. It's hard to tell what's factual when you talk about border crossings in the Trump administration. It's hard to figure it out. They were down 70%, we had heard. It seemed like it was working. We it's, were stopping. It feels like the biggest crisis of our lifetime, though, so that's hard to justify. It, it does, you know, other than the constitutional crisis right, that right. we're also going through. Selective outrage. This flood of immigrants has overwhelmed borders, uh, patrol stations, and, and other federal facilities. It's forced immigration agents to release migrants directly into U.S. border communities with the only hope that they'll appear for their immigration court hearings. Here's the thing. When the president's saying that we don't have any more room at the inn, why would anybody go to their immigration hearing? Nobody, baby. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Right. It's like, hey, let's stop at that hotel with the no vacancy sign outside and take our chances. Right. No. Let's just keep on driving. Let's find another one. Uh, They're good, not going to there. Why would they? That's a good point. That's a good point. You see where HUD uh, is now uh, taking away money for, for uh, low-income housing if there's illegal immigrants, undocumented workers involved with it? And the and and the right-wing base Love it. is loving it. That's right. Border Patrol. This gravy train has ended. <laughs> Time to get to work. If, if immigrants. Only, if only people really knew the truth. Border Patrol Chief Carla Provost said she's reassigned hundreds of agents. They're building temporary tent cities to house this flood of migrants. She told members of the Senate that 
These are temporary fixes. They're not enough. We need an immigration overhaul or additional funding to her agency. Overall, border agents took 109,144 migrants into custody after presenting themselves at ports of entry or illegally crossing the border. It's the highest monthly total since 2007. It's the second straight month with more than 100,000 migrants taken into custody by Border Patrol agents. Here's the funny thing. Donald Trump talks about how they're streaming in. Like, they bust through a fence and there's like thousands in a row. And I don't think that's really the case. Okay. But then I'm here, they rounded up 100,000 people. That's a lot. I almost feel like he's not wrong about that. <laughs> like, like there, there's just, I, I think I think in a lot of cases, and I think people need to understand this, is, you know, these people cross the border, they get in the United States, they're not like trying to sneak in and slip through. They see Border Patrol and they're like, hey, come and get me, man. Right. I, I want to get processed. Because they know that they've made it. Right. Right. The idea is to get here and to hope for the best. They're not coming here to like slip in unnoticed. That's not to say some don't, but that's not why they're coming to our border, especially the people who show up at the ports of entry. Well, and but we, we talked about it last week. It's kind of you can't have it both ways. Donald Trump is super tough on immigration, but it's the highest immigration that that we've seen since 2007. You just said it. You've got people coming like it's more than just putting up walls. You got to talk about some of the unrest that's going on in Central America. Why are people coming here? Because the economy is doing well. OK, well. Let's put a pathway. Let's figure out a way to handle it that doesn't involve ripping people away from their families. I mean, something that stands for the morality of America and what America is. It's an opportunity. When you consider where we used to be with Ellis Island and your poor, tired, huddled masses to... We're going to put a wall up there. and Some are rapists. Some are good people. Yeah. That's, that's not on there. We're all filled up. <laughs> there's there's no more room at the end. Where Where is that sign going to be on Trump's border wall? Mm. Um, Mar-a-Lago, maybe? Maybe. <laughs> maybe the biggest surprise story of the entire week. Uh, ha- it's got to be the surprise story of the week, Brian. The GOP-led Senate Intelligence Committee issued a subpoena for Donald Trump Jr., to appear before that committee, this is the first known subpoena of a member of the president's family. No one's quite sure why he's been subpoenaed. The source says when Jr. appeared back before this committee in 2017. Other than we're pretty sure he's lying. There would be an, there was an agreement in place. He would only get called one time. Okay. The source said Jr. will provide documents and answer written questions, kind of like his dad did. But he won't participate in what they're calling a publicity stunt. Meanwhile... Uh, the committee would not confirm or deny the subpoena. We know that Don Jr. took a meeting with Jared and Paul Manafort. He met with that Russian lawyer. Right. Uh, Natalia Velazkaya. That sounds right. And I think there was like... I won't fact check you on that one. Two, sounds right. four, six, eight other Russians as we slowly found out. I'm sure that wasn't <laughs> a figure skater? <laughs> she sounds like she'd be very good. Yeah. Let's uh, just call her uh, Oksana Bayul for now. I think I like that. That's good. Well, she's from Ukraine. Yeah. It's, it's... <laughs> and has a record. There you go. Um, <laughs> so this whole thing makes sense. Sorry, Oksana Bayul. I actually really enjoyed her skating. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Little Hammer 94. Very, very <laughs> impressive. So, so Junior took this meeting. Michael Cohen testified that he was with Trump later that day when Junior came in and was like, yeah, did the meeting. Confirmed. And it's like, what, what do you even need to talk to him about? Right. Yeah, yeah. I think this like, is... So, hey, remember last time we talked and you lied to our face? <laughs> we are going to talk a little bit more about that. But... Can we ask you the same questions and see if you answer right. the same way? Right. It's less of a political sham this time because you are lying. So, Senator Richard Blumenthal tweeted, First, Don Jr.'s I love it, and now this, despicable, unpatriotic, a blatant violation of campaign finance law, failing to hold the president accountable for the facts, blah, blah, blah. Junior responds, hey, Don Nang Dick, you know what's unpatriotic? Stolen valor. Zing! Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut, a man who I know and, and who I respect, was a little, um, he might have got a little Brian Williams when he was talking about his service record in Vietnam. 
mostly that he was there. It's very, it's still very different than Brian Williams, though. Brian Williams said, "Oh, my plane got shot down." Uh, you sure it wasn't nothing? Sure, but so here's what here's what Dick Blumenthal did. Dick Blumenthal was like in the National Guard. He was stationed at home, right? And he started saying things like "we." You know, when he was talking about Vietnam and the battle in, in Nam, in actual Vietnam proper. Right. And he didn't clarify that he wasn't actually in the war campaign. However, he was serving his country in the National Guard, unlike the president of the United States, who was deferred five times because of bone spurs and then couldn't remember which foot his bone spurs were in. I didn't see Junior mention his father in that tweet anywhere. They never do. No. They never do. No. Trump trashes Blumenthal. And again, I you know, there's issues with Blumenthal, sure. He, sure. He's he's quick to give a comment, you know, on Mondays when he does his press conference, he's all talking national stuff. But it's it's clever editing and it's the narrative, oh Donang Dick. It's like what are we talking about here? Just anywhere you could work in a little racism, do it. It's always good for the Just brand. they they do. They love it. And and Listen, they're not they're not stupid people. No, it's all orchestrated. It's a it's a campaign. It's all it's all planned out. It's effective for their base and that's why they why they keep fomenting. So, according to this new survey released by the Pew Research Center, close to half of all white Republicans in the United States said that they would be bothered if they heard someone speak a foreign language in public. And if you've spent any time on Twitter, uh, this is a real thing. Sure. Where white people will be in line somewhere, say Target, and there's a Hispanic speaker in line in front of them, white person then loses their mind and starts screaming at that person that they should speak American. One of my favorite being in line stories. Which isn't a language. Right, it's not. Um, I saw somebody wearing an ISIS T-shirt. Come on. Yeah, I did. This was a while ago. I'm at Highland Park Market. He's wearing a shirt that says ISIS. It's, you know, middle, middle-aged guy, you know, well-dressed, except for his ISIS T-shirt. It's the Inter- International Spine Intervention Society. Come on. <laughs> the, kid, the kid who's ringing him out, he looks at his shirt and it says ISIS. I'm sure they've changed the name now. They would have had to. I would hope so. <laughs> he's looking at it and he's like, Dead eye. Looking at it again. <laughs> Wait a second. Is that the is that the same group that's been in the news? <laughs> I lost it. I couldn't couldn't help myself. That Ooh. that kid shouldn't be making fifteen dollars an hour. He's he's in the trial period. He should be, and he should stay there. <laughs> no, it turns out he's a doctor. It's fine. Sorry. Forty seven percent of white respondents in this Pew Research Center poll who identified as Republican or Republican leaning said they would be bothered some or a lot by a person speaking a language in public that was not English. By contrast, only 18% of white respondents who identified as Democrats or Democrat-leaning said they would be bothered, which is a disturbingly high number. That's almost one in five white Democrats. But it comes to exposure. And if you don't know people who don't speak English, then you feed into the fear-mongering. And it, it doesn't make it right. It's ridiculous that in 2019, if you hear somebody not speaking English... What you're afraid of it? My son's teacher at daycare is a Hispanic woman, and she's amazing. He loves her to death, and every day she teaches him some Spanish words. And my son at three and a half is learning how to speak another language. I think it's fascinating. And he says stuff at home, and I love it. I think it's it's great. Does he cook in Spanish too? He doesn't, but he does cook there, and he cooks really well. Yeah. <laughs> 58% of white Democrats and 26% of, of white Republicans said that they wouldn't be bothered, which it, it, one in four Republicans doesn't have a problem with a non-English speaker. It's amazing to me the people who are bilingual and can speak multiple languages. I mean, just if your your brain thinks in one language and you, it's just it's always been Those something that's been fascinating people. The me. people who can can be talked to in Spanish and respond in English, that blows my mind. You can't be dumb if you're speaking multiple languages. Now, I'm going to just throw some other numbers in because it's not just white people. 34% of all white people, regardless of party, don't want to hear foreign languages. 24% of black respondents felt the same way, same for Asians, and 14% of Hispanics don't want to hear another language. 
but it's it's more the why do people care? Why do people care how it's not like they're talking to you? What do you, what do you think they're talking about? It's like, "Oh, I got to know what they're saying. Stop being nosy and just just go do your thing. Go let them live. Let yeah. them let them do their thing. They're not you're not bothering anybody. You're racist but, and you're nosy." Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's settle down. Yeah, there's uh, it's stupid. Well, people overreact. People overreact to everything. Uh, Colorado, obviously legalizing marijuana. Within a day, people were making false stories about uh, sure. all the overdoses. I've got a lot of friends and family now who live in Colorado. Everyone seems to give it thumbs up. It's a, it's a beautiful place to live. The money that they've made by legalizing marijuana is paying for an unbelievable education system. They've got extra money in the state fund. And you're not just talking about the mental health problems that are going on there. That's oh, like, yeah. That's one of my favorites. Well, get ready for arguments. this. Get ready for the for the for the for the latest big fight that that I'm sure is going to be on our hands. Denver has approved a city ordinance to decriminalize hallucinogenic mushrooms. <sighs> <laughs> this thing passed last Tuesday by less than 2000 votes. And they thought it wasn't going to pass that night. And then they woke up and said, oh, wow, there was a it was an overwhelming late turnout by uh, yeah, people the are stoners. Bo- oh, that's right. The stoners all waited to the last minute and they're like, yeah, dude, we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go for it. Mushrooms, <laughs> too. That's great. But it, it can't become official until the 16th of May. There's still some yes. absentee ballots coming in, but it looks like it's going to pass. Okay, so and and that's a good point you bring up, Brian. It doesn't go into effect till the sixteenth. Also, this does not legalize mushrooms. Right. The ordinance would prohibit the city from spending resources to impose criminal penalties on those that have them. It's hey, Denver. There's a lot of other things going on. Don't don't worry about this. You can make do it, your make it the lowest priority. You can use your recreational drugs. Just don't get caught. And we're gonna try to look the other way. So unless you're a moron or you're one of those obnoxious people who can't just quietly do your drugs, you're going to get busted. I've got to say, um, when it comes to psychedelic mushrooms, that is vastly different than cannabis. Yes. In, in my opinion, as far as functionality and as far as people who, you know, you'll be able to spot somebody who is tripping their face off on magic mushrooms. <laughs> Versus somebody who may have had a puff of something a little earlier. Like, yes. it, you know, Dave Chappelle does a great bit where he's just like, that ain't background shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know. I think it's I think it doesn't necessarily help states that are trying to uh, legalize recreational marijuana because it's something that people who are against it will point to. Well, look at look at Colorado. Now they're legalizing mushrooms. Oh, my God. It's a gateway drug. Blah, 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 blah. blah. And we know it's not it's not a gateway drug. It's not a gateway drug, although if it were a gateway drug, I would think shrooms would be next on the list. I'm just saying. I mean, whatever you want. In terms of harm. For me, whatever you want to do in your own home, don't get behind the wheel, obviously, but whatever you want to do in your own home, I could care less about. I really could. You sound like a real libertarian. Look, these drugs have been popular for recreational use since the baby boomers who hate them used to do them. A growing body of medical research, though, shows that these things can treat conditions like anxiety, depression, in cases where there's drugs not on the market to do that, to serve that purpose. 47% of patients, according to a study in 2017 in the journal Nature, showed almost half of these people, uh, after five weeks suffering from depression, they were doing much better. The, the, these things actually do look it's it's just like you know I know you're a baseball fan so am I Brian we could spend all day talking about steroids in baseball and whether they're good or bad Jose Canseco's not a liar that's all I'm saying steroids are what you're given when you go to the doctor and you have an ear infection you get prednisone yeah I guess what that is it's a steroid steroids aren't illegal in the sense of that they're what they're used for it's when you're illegally using them that it becomes illegal that's important for people to understand the distinction between the two. Like I said, I don't see where this is going to help the national push for recreational marijuana, which is which is coming. I agree. After all, 50 states were like, yeah, let's do it. Then Denver you, could have been like, now shrooms. You see where Trump <laughs> said he doesn't really have an issue with, with uh, recreational marijuana? 
How could he? This right. is a guy who clearly snorts Adderall before all of his appearances. <laughs> well, it's politically savvy, though, to say, look, I don't have a problem with this. But- it's funny, though. That's the other thing about Donald Trump that will always burn me up is typically when you bring something to Donald Trump that you haven't asked him about repeatedly, his initial response to it is generally from the left. It's like, oh, I don't care about that yeah. at all. And then they're like, no, 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 transgenders, no, no, no. Gaze. Oh, I'm outraged. Oh, yeah. And then suddenly he's like, oh, no, you know what? <laughs> I'm sorry. Never mind. I forgot where I was for a second. Yeah. It seems to happen all the time. Every time something's brought up to him for the first time, which makes me think this whole thing is just an act. Well, and that's what's frustrating is because obviously we're not we're not a pro Trump show. Let's call it what it is. We're not a pro Trump show, but. He's done a lot of things, and he has. He's the president of the United States. He has the power to to enact sweeping change. And if he would follow a little bit, uh, you know, more towards the center, a lot of people wouldn't have as big of an issue with it. When you say he's done a lot of things, you're talking about golf, right? <laughs> I was talking. It's got to be golf that you. Mean. I was talking about. <laughs> I was talking about golf. Well, well, the economy. I mean, it's you know. He's, it's all he's, right. He's, he's trying. Stock market. He's trying this thing. Unemployment. There are some good it, things. It recovered a little bit on Friday because yeah. uh, he tweeted about trade with China. What are they going to look at like <laughs> in, in, in 30, 40 years when they're studying this period of history? They're going to be like, and then on May 12th, Trump tweeted blank. Official statement. <laughs> just like instead of addresses and formal stuff, it's just tweets. There are two more episodes of Game of Thrones. Yep. And there are two years left in the Trump administration. And I would caution anybody watching both of these things. If you think a happy ending is coming, you haven't been paying attention. Oh, gosh. That'll do it for this week's Divided We Stand. I want to wish all the moms out there uh, and all the super dads, too, uh, who served that role a very happy Mother's Day. Is that a shot at Michelle Obama? <laughs> what? Um... You know, there's a lot of a lot of people are moms. A lot of people get to be mom and serve the role of mom, aunt, grandmother, whoever. Uh, If you're a mother to somebody, I hope you have an absolutely fantastic day. We aren't pro Trump, but we're pro mom. We are pro mom all day, every day. Even Trey Gowdy. For Ryan Forster, I'm Joe McGuire. That's it for this week's Divided We Stand.